Hello and welcome to Alvarado on Maction. I'm Alex Alvarado and welcome, welcome to the first episode of the podcast. I've been trying to get this project going for a while. I know I kind of teased it a while ago and the first episode actually probably should have dropped a week ago like I promised. Uh, that did not happen because just, you know, off field issues, I guess trying to keep this thing football themed right but right off the bat i do want to say thank you for tuning in uh, i do appreciate your attendance and i know you know this being a a mac football podcast at that uh, attendance you know can't depend on it you just can't depend on it so uh, i do appreciate your ears and your attention uh, i hope that i have your rooting interest in this podcast because i do want this thing to to grow i do want more Mac fans, Mac nerds alike to come on, listen, and, you know, hear some conversations about the league with people within the league, around the league that may not be talked to all the time. You know, sometimes you see them in the newspapers, but newspapers are dying uh, and you don't really hear Mac voices and talk to Mac people all the time in the national outlets. And so hopefully I fill in the cracks for us there. So what is this podcast? What is this podcast going to be about? If first of all, let me let me just say hi and get a little bit of self-indulgent here. My name's Alex. I've been covering the Mac for since better part of the last decade, I guess. Pretty much most of the 2010s. I went to Eastern Michigan myself. I joined the student newspaper my junior year. Did a little bit of radio. Left the paper after a year, did Hustle Belt for about three years, climbed up the ladder there, took advantage of my opportunities, wrote a lot about Mac football and Mac basketball and other sports in that time. Mostly those two, though, and even more so mostly football because that's what I'm best versed at. I left the blog to get a different job, mostly because blogs don't pay the bills. I got a newspaper job, and I spent only a year there. Uh, family stuff happened, so I moved back to Michigan, and I haven't really joined the media, you know, in the same way. And I kind of tried a couple experiments here and there, did blogging independently, still do that. Did a little bit of newslettering, didn't destroy that yet. Did a little bit of podcasting. It just didn't end up being the product that I wanted it to be or something that I wanted to keep doing. So so I didn't, and here I am now trying to do this, what this, this podcast right here with this feed. I want this to be the golden ticket, and hopefully it is. So what should we expect out of this show? I'm going to cover two things, and they're pretty much going to cover all of our bases here. One, we're going to talk about Mac football. If you haven't noticed that, we're going to talk a lot of Mac action. The other thing that we're going to cover here is not Mac football. There, I think I covered all my bases there. Uh, I don't mind getting a little bit off topic. Sometimes I don't mind getting a lot of bit off topic. But on the Mac football side, you know, looking at the calendar, it is late March. Teams are already... In spring practices, they're going through their drills, they're learning more about their rosters, and at this time last year, you know, teams have already been shut down and sent home and told to mask up and sanitize and wash their hands and learn more about this coronavirus and try to convince kids that it's not just the flu. So we're getting back into a more normal year of college football even though it has the most abnormal adverse effects from the national pandemic, global pandemic at that. As we gear up, we're going to talk about positional previews. I'm going to come in and talk about, you know, Toledo quarterbacks, Ball State running backs, 
someone else's defensive backs. We're going to look at positions throughout the spring, throughout the summer, and we're going to just look at, you know, guys that are fighting for playing time, guys that have positions to keep, guys that have positions to lose, positions that, you know, just don't have any guys that have stepped up yet. See where the weak spots are. See where team strengths are. See where the league is going to be entertaining. We'll also dive into recruiting every once in a while, and if you're into that, uh, go on Twitter and follow at MacFBCruton. Check some recent commits, decommits, stuff like that. But I'm not going to shove recruiting information down your throat if you're not into that. So do follow me on Twitter if you are uh, one of those people that wants to be in the know and wants to know who's being committed and whose names you're not seeing on 247sports.com. And, you know, we'll keep up with the Newswire, local, national, you know, we'll keep up with, uh, with whatever updates come around the league, roster updates, university updates, athletic departments, having their own shakeups or not. Whatever relevant information that I think you need to know, I'm going to let you know. You know, and we'll have interviews and hangouts every once in a while too, but, you know, you'll know those when you hear them. But before we begin, and I don't have many topics today, I'm just going to open up with the power rankings, just try to do a catch-all so we can just get the conversations of all of this Mac football going through some sort of funnel. I have power rankings today, but before we get to that, before we get to that, let's let's follow along. Let's follow along with the show. Come on, got to get these early plugs out of the way. You can follow this podcast on your favorite podcast listening app, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, whatever. You name it, it's probably on there. Search me any way possible. If I'm not on a service that you like to use and want to have me on, please reach out to me. You can reach out to me on Twitter. Uh, I got the three accounts. I got my personal, ARLVarado13, at MactionPod, and at MacFBCruton. You can reach out to me those ways, or you can hit me up via email, alexonmaction at gmail.com. And if you like this show, if you like me, if you like something about me or this podcast and you want to support me monetarily with a monthly donation on Patreon, you can do so. You can do so. That'd be patreon.com forward slash Alvarado on Maxkin. Just $3 a month. That's all I ask for. And if I get enough people to support the show, I'm going to add on uh, Discord benefits because I do want to create a community, but there's got to be a community for it. And if there's a community for it, I'll build you a hub on Discord. It'd be great. That'd be a great thing to do. And if you really want to be a pal, you can share this podcast with a friend directly for free. That's the best way for this show to grow. It's word of mouth. That's always the best policy. So if you like the show enough, please recommend me to a friend. You know, I appreciate it. And I'm sure they would too. All right, let's get to some rankings. So one of the spots that you might also find my Mac football content on is on YouTube, Mac Football Forever, and I do that with my buddy Caleb Carter. He was a hustle belter like I, and he's an Ohio alum, not like I, but he was also a beat reporter in the Mac. He covered NIU for a year plus, something like that, a year plus. He and I have a YouTube channel, and it's just like he and I just talking about the Mac a bunch, and we recently did an episode on power rankings in the Mac. It was kind of like, you know, our... How we view the programs as a whole, putting into a power rankings list, 1 to 12. The episode, by the time you're listening to this, may or may not be up. Depends on just the uploading speed. Man, my internet is so awful out here. I really need to move. You, you guys have no idea how bad this internet is. It is, 
don't even want to talk about it. Just don't want to talk about it. But if you did watch or will watch that video, my rankings right now are about to be the exact same. I do want to present them on here, though. But here's a few things that matter to me when I do my rankings. Uh, like, I like to judge teams on, obviously, recent performance. You know, good teams that have been good recently will probably be up top. Roster subtractions, players kept on their rosters. Those two matter not as much. Well, I shouldn't say not as much. The thing that doesn't matter as much, though, when it comes to looking at roster notes is looking at their additions. I used to look at roster additions. I don't do that just for this exercise in the spring because I don't know who's cracking those two deeps right now. I also kind of look at, you know, my own personal confidence in coaching staffs, the program's directions. You know, if I think that a, a team is just regressing holistically, not just a, on a talent thing, but just as a culture, just not working, I'm probably going to put them lower. If I think a coach just doesn't have things figured out, they're probably going to be lower. If I think a coach is figuring some things out and is showing other ways to improve a football team, not just points on a scoreboard on 12, when well, last year's case, six, or in some other teams, three games a year. If, if, te- if I can see progression outside of just the box score, then I will put a team higher. And I'll make note of that. But really quickly, let me just go down the list really quickly, and then I'll kind of explain them all for you. So one, two, three, four, five. I got Ball State, Western Michigan, Toledo, Buffalo, Miami. Those are my top five teams in the MAC right now. Obviously, we'll start with Ball State. Ball State number one. They just won the MAC uh, after years and years of buildup with Mike New as the head coach. You know, thing it just did not seem like it was going to be the most realistic thing for Ball State to pull off. I thought that the 2020 season was going to be, I think Ball State was at least going to put in a good fight. I didn't expect them to come out on top of it all and just to look better, you know, each and every week along the way and just make obvious improvements each game physically and mentally and collectively. So 2020 was a delightful year to watch Ball State football, believe it or not. And, you know, in this spring, they returned pretty much all of their starters, uh, except for three, Antonio Phillips, Caleb Huntley, and um, Antoine Davis. Oh, my God, why was I blanking on that? They're missing those guys, but other than that, I still think Ball State's an incredible team, and I don't have any reason to put them any lower because if I put them any lower, they're just going to prove me wrong, right? Uh, Number two, I got Western... You know, Western's definitely a wild card team where, you know, they can come out of so many games and score so many points, but for whatever reason, all their games are decided pretty closely. (laughs) You know, Western, of course, they lost to Eastern twice, which a lot of people are not going to like that I have them so high here and beat them twice over the last two years, I should say. You know, lost to Eastern last year, lost to Eastern the year before that, both home and away. And the last in this past year, like it was way more, way more unexpected too. And even though that Western's going to be missing D. Eskridge, Western returns the most efficient quarterback in the MAC, and he has yet to see his peak. You know, I, I just assume that he and the rest of that offense will keep continuing to click. There's so much talent around him. Uh, the defense has some things to figure out, especially in the secondary. That's how they lost to Eastern. Uh, in 2020 but I think that 
with a few secondary fixes, I think Western will be able to close the gap between them and their competition on a weekly basis a lot better. So I would expect a lot out of Western. Number three, Toledo, you know, and Caleb gave me a lot of crap for this because I have Toledo too high on here. Uh, Toledo's plenty talented. Toledo deserves it for stockpiling all that talent. And a lot of it has seen the field too, you know, and they've made a lot of coaching changes that were necessary. Haven't totally seen them come to fruition in 2020, but I wasn't expecting a new coaching staff to totally fix any football team in 2020 like that. You know what I mean? It's not a whole new staff, but just a few guys here and there. Toledo made a few improvements on defense. They made improvements at the quarterback position, especially, which was huge for them. If Toledo continues to improve at quarterback, and if some of the wide receivers, you know, they did well last year. Isaiah Winstead, Cam Maddox, some guys like that. They did well last year, but I still think there's another step for that wide receiver group to be had. There's a lot for them to prove to themselves. And I think I think Toledo's still in a really good spot. You know, they were still very close from winning the West last year. Don't Don't get it twisted. Number four, I got Buffalo, the team that has been to Detroit twice over the past three years. Why do I have them so low then? Well, I mean, they don't have as much talent 1 to 85 as Western and Toledo, probably as Ball State too. Yes, they're well coached with Lance Leipold. However, they do lose games when they shouldn't. They haven't won the MAC title. Ball State won it the one and only time they ever made there in the past, you know, decade. Decade plus. Ugh. Buffalo's a great team and all. Buffalo's losing losing some big pieces. There's not a t- I shouldn't say there isn't a ton of proven talent because Kevin Marks is right behind Jared Patterson. But who's really behind Antonio Nunn? You know, he's leaving the team too. Um, Malcolm Kuntz, he's leaving. There are some good spots on that defense, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that the defense will be good. Offense, offense can change. The offense has changed depending on whoever its playmakers are. Obviously, right now it's going to be Kevin Marks heading into 2021, but who's outside of that? I don't really know. Kyle Van Treese is pretty good. I don't think he's a baller. I just think he's a pretty good quarterback for Buffalo right now. And so that's where some of the differences are. I like a lot of the spots that, you know, a lot of the spots that I like Buffalo at, I still like Toledo's better. You know, Kevin Marks is good. I still like, you know, Brian Kovac more. Kyle Van Treese is good. I still like Eli Peters and Carter Bradley more. Defensively, I think Buffalo might have the edge there. I think Buffalo might have the edge there, but... I mean, Toledo's got a very, very good defensive line this year. It might be one of the max best, if not for, hey, Western Michigan right above them. Number five on the list, I have Miami. Uh, Brett Gabbert obviously comes back as the quarterback there. Strong identity on defense. You know, there just wasn't a lot to show in 2020 because their season got shortened up to three games. And some of the games that they were were able to play, they just didn't have the best performances in. Not going to dog them too much on not winning the MAC in three games in 2020. Whatever. It is what it is. 2019, though, 2019 was a really good season. And it showed me that there's a lot of stability. Like, the good areas to buy into Miami then are still worth buying into today. 
and will probably still be worth buying into for as long as Chuck Martin is there and, you know, their machine is running as well as it needs to. So going down the rest of the list, I got number six, Central Michigan. Central Michigan could break in any in any direction here. It is really hard to say how they'll end up here. But I do think that no matter how Central plays, it's always going to be you know a hard-fought battle. Uh, they always prove to fight a little bit better than its weight class might suggest. I don't know really how else to describe it, but... You know, I don't think that they have the best quarterback in the world, but Daniel Richardson, Daniel Richardson still showed that he's competitive, and I like the attitude that he plays with there. And he was very, very young. Uh, who knows what kind of projection we could see out of him. And I don't know how much of the season he was playing hurt either. But I think, have it be Daniel Richardson or somebody else that hasn't played yet, I think Central has a lot to gain if they just add some efficiency from the quarterback spot because the skilled players outside of the quarterback room at running back, they're really tough. At wide receiver, they're really talented and fast. Um, the offensive line does a pretty good job of its own to you know protect the quarterbacks when they need to. And defense, you know, the defense is just solid, solid, solid across the board. So um, I like Central. You know, they the Toledo game was only limit was uh was determined by just one point it was like 24 to 23 central can take games away when they should probably lose and turn them into wins so i don't 100 percent love central uh i'm also an eastern grad so that might have something to do with it but central's in you know it's it's in a really tough position it's in really i shouldn't say tough position but it's just in a tough division rather number seven i got kent state kent state you know a lot of people are rooting for Sean Lewis to just make it in this college football world as a successful head coach literally anywhere outside of Kent State. Everyone's just waiting on him to jump from here to, I don't know, NC State or something like that, Syracuse, and just and just go off. But until then, he's got to prove something at Kent State, Right. And he's done a pretty good job with this program. He's made immediate turnarounds with the team and has made it from a, I don't know, an ass program to not a winning football program, but one that's definitely not too, one of the two worst in the division, right? The offense is fun to play for. There's an NFL prospect at quarterback. Uh, to actually play quarterback, not like, Julian Edelman quarterback. So, and Kent State, but the thing with them, the defense is just not great. Uh, and yes, they scored a ton of points. They were the best in the nation on average to do it. They played four games, and two of them were against, what, Bowling Green and Akron? So, I mean, it's it's they just didn't have a lot to show because they just didn't play the best competition. But um, they're definitely better than the worst. They used to not be better than the worst. They used to actually just be worse than the worst. So that's a step in some sort of direction. Ohio is my number eight team, but there might be an argument for them to be nine. Might be an argument for them to be nine, actually. But I'm going to keep them over here at eight. Mostly because Frank Solich is the guy. They have good running backs with Julian Ross, Demontre Tuggle especially. I don't know what the true identity is with their quarterbacks. 
And in a year with this offseason where they're allowed to keep probably more super seniors than than ever before. Well, obviously, they're allowed to keep more because of the pandemic. But generally speaking, not all of the players had to leave. And they're missing four starters on defense, which is pretty significant in a normal year. Uh, now in this year when you might not have had to leave because you graduated, it's probably even more so. But it's more opportunities for other guys to play. But those other guys that get to play now, I don't know who they are. I don't know who's going to be replacing, like, Austin Conrad or Brett Kittrell or Will Evans. I don't know who's going to replace them on defense. I just don't know. And so Ohio, to me, is the most middle-of-the-road, <laughs> average, kind of generic team right now in the MAC, which sucks to say. I kind of feel bad because there, there's got to be more of an identity to that program than that, but... You know, I blame 2020. I blame television. I blame the internet. 2020 sucked, and we weren't able to enjoy or just get any real feeling for Ohio. Like, I just feel indifferent to them, so they're eight. Uh, Round things out, EMU, NIU, Akron, Bowling Green. I don't think I need to explain these too much. I know in in the episode on on YouTube, uh, Caleb and I kind of disagreed on NIU, EMU, which I didn't really get, but whatever. Eastern's in a good spot with Creighton, even though it might not be the winningest program still. You know, he's got a good attitude around the program. Players like to stay there. Talented players like to stay there and, you know, keep developing in there. And every once in a while, you know, they pull off with a win against Western Michigan. Or, you know, they'll keep teams like Toledo to a one-score game. And that's, you know, Eastern's always in a fighting chance to win. NIU is still learning things with Thomas Hammock. Hammock still learning things with his alma mater. And in 2020, you know, he led them to uh, an 0-6 an team. They are just incredibly young, and it's just all projection for them. I think they had, like, what was it, seven freshmen start for them on defense last year? Was it more than that? Like, like in a single game. Not just total, but, like, didn't they just start with seven freshmen it was like the western game i'm thinking of for sure but was it like that all year i don't remember right now i just know that they're incredibly young and they got their their early licks in they're losing a lot to the portal which really really it doesn't look good for them and especially if some of these guys are you know guys that hammock himself recruited not all of them are obviously some of these guys are still carry recruits but hammock's still losing even if they're not all starters to the transfer portal, he's still losing a lot of guys that could have been good depth pieces, could have been rotational guys here. So I don't have the same sort of forecast moving forward for NIU, like in the short term, long term, medium term, in any term compared to Eastern. I just don't see them on the same trajectory with Thomas Hammock in the helm based on the way things have gone what, 18 months at least? I know it's been more than that, but at least 18 months. If I were just shorten up the window to that, I don't know what there is totally to, to believe in. Sure that there's, you know, he's bringing in the recruiting classes, but I'm not going to base this on those. Akron 11, Bowling Green 12. Uh, I mean, Akron beat Bowling Green 31-3, to snapped a 21-game losing streak for the program. They lost every other game outside of that. Bowling Green just lost every game last year. Not not a good 
not a good program right now. Football talent-wise, just not there. I'm sure it's going positively in other directions that Bowling Green wants to see itself in. It's recruiting better in the state of Ohio. A lot better in the state of Ohio. Way, way better than Jinx ever did. And I think that's the best thing I can say for them, right? I think. Sure, that, like, matters a lot. Like, you know, relationships. The Bowling Green logo mattering inside high school locker rooms in and around the Toledo area. That all matters, right? Obviously. But on the football field, it's this doesn't matter for this exercise. And Akron, you know, newer head coach too. You know, there's a lot to learn there. Uh, just a lot of an inexperience. So, like, they're taking out a lot of guys that saw a lot of bad football wearing, you know... <laughs> representing Akron, uh, except for Bob Arslanian. Bob he's the only guy that's was a, a Terry Bowden recruit that stuck around and is kicking ass still. So he's the only one that's like that. Everyone else, um, of course, I'm, this is hyperbole, but, you know, Akron needs to change house a lot. They did so, uh, saw some success because of it. Who knows what that's going all, what all that's going to look like moving forward for the program. Uh, especially with some recent news regarding its running back. But still, Akron had more on-field success and more immediate turnarounds on the field that I can tangibly see. And if that all matters in the positive moving forward for the football team moving forward, then I, I don't see why I would put Akron... I don't see why I would put Akron any lower than that. Um, maybe... Yeah, no, I, I still can't see them above NIU, though. NIU, I think, would still swallow Akron whole. But, friends, that will wrap up the first episode of Alvarado on Maction. I had other things planned out, but I decided, you know what, let's make it easy. Let's do some power rankings. Let's just get a big old fishnet catch-all of Mac football topics. Just kind of condense them into some sort of context of how I feel about the teams at the start of this show. And moving forward, you know, we'll kind of just grab the magnifying glass and just kind of be like, all right, all right, all right. So I have Central Michigan at six. What does the defensive line look like? Okay, okay, okay. I got Kent State over here at seven. Can the receivers take them higher? All right, I got Western Michigan over here at two. Is their defensive line good enough for me to defend that position? So it'll be fun for me to do some exercises like that moving forward. Speaking of which, I'm excited to hit the gym at some point. Jesus Christ, I really wanted to get myself into a gym habit before the pandemic. Uh, I've been too much of a... mm, I don't want to say a mean word about myself. I've just been cautious enough to the point that I just haven't gone to the gym. Uh, That's the nice, polite, responsible... socially responsible, I guess, uh, way of giving myself an excuse for not doing any physical activity, which we should all do for at least 30 minutes a day. But thank you again for listening. Please don't forget to follow, like, subscribe the program any way possible, and check out that Patreon page we talked about at the top of the show. Hope you all have a great week, and I will catch up with you on Wednesday.